Good morning, River City. We're so glad you're here with us this morning. And if you're online, we're so glad that you're able to join with us and what a gift of technology is that you can be apart but with us at the same time. We're really thankful for you guys, whether you're in the room or if you're online. Uh, make sure to say hi. We'd love to know who's watching and be able to respond back with a sweet hello. Um, this morning is Family Sunday, and so... Maddie is going to be reading our psalm for us this morning. So if you're in the room, if you would stand while Maddie reads, that would be awesome. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them for, from the earth when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears the deliverers and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will stay, slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Maddie. Um, so Jesus, we just welcome you in this place and your fullness. We invite you to have full freedom and accessibility to our hearts. We thank you that you are near to the brokenhearted and to the weary, that there is a promise that we will not be crushed. And so God, I just um, thank you that you are so faithful and kind to us. And I thank you that you don't leave us in our brokenness. And so this morning for those of us both in this room or online and homes, across the nation, across the world, for those who resonate with the idea of brokenheartedness. God, would you just come and be very present and very near this morning? We welcome you. We invite you. We want to meet with you this morning. So we just pray that you have your way. Be exalted above every name. Thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Good morning. It's good to see everyone. How are you guys doing? Good. Why don't you just take a moment and look around the room. Some of you haven't gotten an opportunity to just wave, say hello. This is not meet and greet. This is prayers of the people. <laughs> not meaning to trick you. 
Um, this is one of my favorite parts of this service because if you're either new to RCC or um, you don't really know where this came from, this is our opportunity in the service to intercede for the world around us. And so one of the reasons I just had you look at each other is sometimes we can get into this space and just be in our own zone and just feel like it's me and God, but it's actually not. It's us and God. And so just taking that second to look around reminds us that we it's not just me and my faith or me and God, but it's us and God. And what an honor and a privilege, right, to to be on this journey together, this journey of faith. And so what I love about this time is it's it's our time as the people of RCC to turn outward, right, and to really um, bear the burdens of the world around us. And so we pray in spheres. And so if you didn't know that, that's one of the things that we do. It, um, I have, so a part of the, a verse stood out to me this morning um, when Maddie was reading it. It says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of, the, of them all. And I think sometimes we can misread that verse to mean that like everything's going to be okay. God's just going to solve my problems. And it's a pretty one-dimensional way of praying. So I thought, what, what is the prayer there? What is really, what are we asking? And then I thought of Jesus's words in John 16, 33, in the world you will have distress, but be encouraged, I have conquered the world. And that's what we're praying, right? That not necessarily, you know, all my problems are gonna be wrapped up in a neat little bow. And after we've seen what's happened in the world around us, I often come to this space and feel very, um, I struggle because I feel the weight and I feel like I can't do anything, but we can pray. And I think I've come to this place this week where I've realized we can pray. Like that's not a little thing. We can pray. And so what I'm going to ask you to do this morning is as I go through these spheres of how we pray prayers of the people. Many of you are already standing and thank you for participating. But if you feel, if you're sitting and you feel a sense of burden for any one of these fears, if you will participate in some way that might be standing or that might just be engaging um, in imaginative prayer. Sometimes I try to imagine what peace would look like. Rachel said, like peace walking amongst us, what that would change in the atmosphere and praying imaginatively. But I want you to encourage you that as you feel the burden and the weight of the now and not yet, that you will press into that and pray in faith and by faith. So God, we pray for the universal church, its members and its mission. We pray that the global church would be unified God, that you would break down any systems in the church that do not mirror the systems of the Godhead and the systems of the Trinity, which is a relationship and a community of peace, of love. And so may the church mirror that. And may we lean into the reform of the Holy Spirit as you try to do a good work in us. And specifically, I pray for the Western church and for how uh, church going has changed and how there's been this cleansing of what it means to be a part of, of the local church and the body of Christ. And I just pray that there would be a renewed passion to follow Jesus in community. Even if that means that church gathering looks a little bit different than what we thought. I pray for the nation and all in authority. 
God, that you would continually give wisdom to those who are in leadership positions. Again, that, that those systems of power and oppression would be struck down and that justice would find its way into the leadership of our nation. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. We pray for the welfare of the world. If I were to speak out the things that are happening in the world around us, it would take so long. And so God, have mercy. What can we do? How can we sit in this tension of knowing that you are good and knowing that you want to bring justice and healing and yet it is a mess. What do we do with that, God? Help us pray when there's nothing left to do. Help us be kind to our neighbor when there's nothing left to do. Help us to have our eyes open when there's nothing left to do. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. For the concerns of the local community in Smyrna, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. And then lastly, those who suffer and those are in trouble. And if you suffer and you're in trouble, or if you know someone, if you'll just raise your hand. God, will you... Um, bear our burdens will you already have promised to bear our burdens will you teach us to bear each other's burdens and will you um, just help us to live faithfully as we suffer let the suffering and the pain draw us closer to you God you promised that in this world we would have problems but you have overcome it Teach us what that means in our everyday lives. And God, we would be remiss to leave this space without being willing to look at the systems in our own hearts that do not reflect the heart of Jesus. So will you do a work in us, through us, in community, even as we walk through the disciplines together that you would bind us that we would not forsake the gathering of the brothers and sisters of Christ. We love you, Jesus. Bless every person here. In your name we pray, amen. Good to see you. Good to see everyone. So real quick before I start, I wanna do active prayer. I'm not gonna do this for a super long time, but I want to just I wanna recognize a couple things about gathering together that I think are really important and I think we miss because we're so used to gathering in communities historically. Number one, when we agree together, I think there's something significant about that. But in this space specifically, I want to talk to you about the moments that are present every week. Every service, there's no contingency on if I speak a dynamic word or if worship is vibrant and energetic, the presence of Jesus is faithful and is here. So this is something we all agree upon, yes? Yes, it doesn't matter how or what we do to make that more or less, Jesus is here. So I believe when we pray together or intercede together, I think that's important, 
Really quick, three things. For Afghanistan, everyone with me, just really quick. We're just gonna pray condensed prayer really quickly. So all at, all at the same time, you can pray how you would pray, right? If you wanna, I'd really rather you not scream pray. I'm not gonna like judge you if you do it, but let's just, that's a heart of screaming prayer. A heart of screaming prayer today. So Jesus, we lift up Afghanistan. We don't even know how to pray, but you know what's going on. And we intercede on behalf of those that are broken, those that are poor, those that are being persecuted, those that are being harmed. In Jesus' name right now, that you would build up a standard of protection. And if anything, God, let the whole nation begin to cry out for you because you are a better choice, God. Provide ways out. Provide uh, people escape out the back door. You know, what, whatever needs to happen, Jesus, we just agree that you are the best bet, that you are the best option. So all the people that are there that even believe in you, God, or, or lean into you, I pray that they would begin to intercede, that their fear would shift to prayer, and that they would trust you, God, even in the most difficult, probably, season of their entire life. We ask, God, to you to, for you to do something amazing. God, we also pray for Haiti right now. In Jesus' name, let's pray together, condensed, concise. We agree, Jesus, that there needs to be health. There needs to be hope. There needs to be medical care right now, God. There needs to be everything that we can't even think of. We ask that you would provide it. We are a church, a small church, saying, yes, we need that. Please, Lord, intervene. Please, Lord, intervene. And then thirdly, we're gonna convince, pray for COVID in our nation and in the world, okay? Jesus, this virus is spreading. We would love it if you would make it stop. Jesus, people are in the hospitals. We would ask that you would heal. Jesus, people are fighting about dumb stuff. We would ask that at least the Christians would be operating in wisdom with this, God that we would be a voice that sounds different than picking a side or following some kind of stupid thing. God, don't let us follow stupid stuff. Let us be people who love you and lean into you, God. And when people need that, I just pray that, uh, raise, raise your hand if you know somebody that has COVID or is dealing with it right now. Yeah, it's, it's spreading. So God, we pray for healing. We pray for restoration of people's bodies, lungs. Um, and we thank you, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everyone. That was fun. All right, so I'm gonna share a little bit today, continuing. This is gonna be the last part of this John chapter six. And we've been talking about this for a few weeks while I wasn't here, we did. And then last week I shared so much stuff. I, I realized I hadn't preached in six weeks and I kind of, you know, firehosed you and that's okay. Um, God's faithful. This week, I wanna, as I kind of read through these passages, and you guys can open up to John 6 if you want the end of it, uh, four, 56 through 71, I, I had this sense of just this simple question, what does it mean to follow Jesus? And just, I think we assume that we all know what that means, but I don't get the sense that most people know what it means to follow Jesus. And I think that's okay, right? Like, I think that's part of the invitation into becoming a Talmudine or a follower of Jesus. And, but I think throughout my history, at least, as a person in ministry, that's meant different things. I think in the beginning, it meant, you know, you, you really wanna be on the right side of this and you, you don't wanna like receive what could happen if you're not. There's that kind of like, okay, then as a, as a young, formidable person, that really goes a long way. I actually remember when I was about 10, my parents took me to a church in Marietta, and 
there was an event they built around like, here's what happens after people die if they don't choose Jesus. And that just for me was horrifying. I'm not even trying to be funny, just that was like a common thing in like the 90s to have happen. You know, this is, you wanna choose this because if not, it's gonna be terrible. You're gonna experience eternal damnation. And of course you don't want that. So make, make sure you say this prayer and then don't even think about your Christianity until you turn over into, like that was part of my upbringing. And then there was a season for me of, of experiencing what it felt like to want Jesus and then think that that meant to follow Jesus, I had to be significant. So, and I think this is really common. Like to follow Jesus means that you're gonna be all you can be. It's really kind of a combination of the American dream and Christianity. You're gonna do something that really impacts the world. You know, you're gonna be a world changer. Who's ever been to a conference called World Changers? You're gonna, you know, you're gonna do more. You're not gonna do less. You're gonna be the head. You're not gonna be the tail. You're gonna be significant because you have a special calling. And I lived this for, not that I thought I had a more special calling, but really that that was kind of what you went after. Then I went through a season of, I don't know if I would call it deconstruction, but as a follower of Jesus, really wanting to know what, what is sustainable long-term for this? Like, how do, you, how do you do this long-term and not just kind of a one-off, right? How do I do this and not just have to rely on forward conference or whatever conference is around? Or how do I not have to rely on this one dynamic person I have to get all my information from because I wanna be like that? And so I think for all of us, there's those versions of what it means to be a Christian, but I wanna just ask you just a really simple question. Why are you in this room? And this is not meant to be pervasive. It's good, no? Uh, this is not meant to, this is not mean to make, meant to make you feel any kind of shame. It's just the reality of it. When you show up at a place like this, why are you here? All of us are here for some reason. Why are you in this room? Specifically speaking, why Jesus? Why not Muhammad? Why not something else? Why, why Jesus? And I think there's a real answer for us. And I know it's different for all of us. But in this passage today, Jesus uses a conversation and a way to talk about hunger to get people to think about the motives of why they would follow him. And the truth is, I think we see Jesus turning over tables or having hard conversations and we like this like rough edge Jesus, right? He's like, he doesn't care. And that's just not what I see in Jesus. I think when he has to have a conversation like he has here or when he flips tables, there's not just this desire to be like, you're idiots, see, you're all idiots. He's not like Facebook feeding it, just calling out those people, calling out the conspiracy theorist, calling out the people who would be vaccinated, calling out the people who wouldn't be vaccinated, calling out the people who would wear a mask, calling out the people who think that you're a sheep if you wear a mask. That's not, he's not there to just do that. He's doing hard things to get to something more important because what he's leading those people into is better. That's the motive. It's not just being willing to speak truth to stupid powers or call out people who won't follow Jesus with their whole heart. My whole teen years, even into college, was about, you know, like say the hard, do hard things, bro. I'd be like, what? What do you even mean? I don't even know who I am. Do hard things for Jesus, bro. I don't even know who I am. I don't even have any kind of construct of a formal good opinion of myself and you're asking me to now attain something? What, this doesn't, this sounds like a, a recipe for massive failure, right? 
So Jesus is always, always drawing people into a deeper conversation using what seems to be the conversation to say, look deeper. Why are you in this room? Why do you want Jesus? What are, how are you living that out? Are you seeing how he desires to bring life and how you choose otherwise at times? Not to make you feel bad, but to say, I don't want that for you. And there's a way to live this out where not only do you experience life, but the people around you experience that through you, which I think is incarnation. I think that's what I see when I see the idea of incarnation is Jesus stepping away from what was prestige for him, his place eternally into our now moment, flesh on flesh, and meeting us in that moment. And so when I read this passage to you, I wanna briefly talk about ETS. So when I think about how do we live this out, at the beginning of the year, I started with 12 guys, you've heard too much about it. The idea of practicing the disciplines together without this idea of gaining all this content and being smart, there's gonna be some of that, but practicing over a period of time. And so it looked like Sabbath and silence and solitude and meditation and a lot of the things I would have ran from in my evangelical history, I would have thought those kind of hinder the dynamic portions of Jesus. But what I think we found were these places of freedom and rest that we hadn't experienced. And so this idea of ETS is now spread into our church. A lot more people are doing it. It's kind of open-handed. We're kind of doing things and trying things. But the idea is create space to be formed by Jesus. This is not us accomplishing things or becoming better disciples. It's creating space over a time to be formed by Jesus. Silent solitude, prayer. Our group now is going into the second part that many of you will experience next time, scripture and prayer. And the next season of it, we'll go through things like calling and identity and healing from your past. And the season after that, year three, I mean, I, this could be three years, could be things like, what does it look like to live missionally, to have a meal in your community, to know your neighbors, neighborly love? What does it look like to not just do a missional thing, take pictures of it and post it online and then move on? What does it look like to live that way, to be missional in our whole lives? So, but the idea is that we wanna figure out what it's like to actually live this. And, and I think that's what Jesus is trying to do here is talk to these guys about that. So up to this point, chapter six, we've seen a focus on the Passover. We've seen the feeding of the 5,000. Who remembers the feeding of the 5,000? We see that there's surplus bread after that. We see the disciples take 12 baskets into a boat and then we see Jesus have to slip away because they desire to make him king because he made bread. So Jesus slips away because he does not want to be bread king. We actually preached on that a couple years ago. He is the bread of life. And so he slips away. The disciples are out on the water. Jesus just decides to walk on water to them and they're freaking out and all of a sudden they arrive at land and then others later find, they go and find Jesus because now John's focused on these signs that have been happening. There's been multiplying of bread. He's the one that walks on water. He's the guy that's been healing people. And so all these people start to surface to hear from Jesus. They actually go and find him and he starts to, this is the discourse where he starts to tell them, I'm the bread of life. Abide in me as I abide in my father. You cannot do this unless you eat and drink my blood. It's interesting we're doing a blood drive right now. I thought that was an interesting connection as we're preaching through eating and drinking the blood of Jesus. Can I get an amen? I don't even know. So this is chapter six, verses 56 through 71. I'm gonna read it to you slowly. 
Some of this we read last week, but I wanna read these three verses anyway. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that the disciples were grumbling about this, so he kind of perceived it and said, do you take offense at this? Another translation says, does this make you stumble? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you wanna go away as well again, perceiving what's happening? And Simon Peter, kind of representing the 12, says, Lord, you know, to whom shall we go? Notice he doesn't say, where shall we go? He says, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Are you able to pull up the last two verses or not right now? Okay, we'll push pause on that. I'm gonna just tell you those last two verses are good, so read them at home, okay? Talks about Judas. We all love Judas, right? Amen? Okay, all right. So really quickly, why are these people here? Why do people show up to hear from him? And there's a couple reasons. A couple of the people are there because over a period of time, they've walked with him and they've formed a relationship. More people than that are there because there's a buzz and people like a buzz. People like when things are growing because there's something significant about that. I even think in our church culture, we consider growing things numerically to be blessed by God, even a lot of times when they're not. There's a lot of people there because there's a buzz. This guy's doing this, you gotta come see it. And then there's more people that are there than most people that are there because signs and miracles have been present. So in the Gospel of John, signs are used to reveal a deeper work and character of Jesus. But the tricky part is that the believer or the follower is to see the truth behind the sign. This is why he wouldn't be bread king. And a lot of actual theologians believe the reason he might have walked on water after he did the bread miracle was to show that it's not just about creating bread. It's kind of a varied thing. But the miracles are always there to point to something deeper. The deeper thing that we hear here is that Jesus is the bread of life. Not like it was in the Old Testament where manna came down and they had to rely on that, but all those people died, but like he is the bread. So here he is the sign and the interpretation of the sign. But there are people there because he had been doing signs and they would like to see more. You actually hear in that discourse before this passage, people saying, well, if you are that one, then what sign will you do? And I just wanna be like, did you not see what he, did you not already see that? Homeboy walked on water. Like homeboy made bread. 
His disciples all had extra bread and extra baskets to take. That's what they took left over was more than that little boy's meal. Like, did you not see that? They literally were there because they wanted to see him do more, right? So the question for them is, why are you here? The strange message that he gives, I am the bread, eat and drink, is what we focus on here. And I think we've all heard this, but the truer, deeper thing is what does it mean to abide in God? Like, How do we do that for the rest of our lives? How do we abide in Jesus? How do we become those that abide in God? Like the disciples are standing in front And many of these people are standing in front of Jesus and he's saying, I'm giving you the opportunity for this. This is happening right now. I'm telling you it's happening. It's going to happen. You can't make sense of it. And they walk away. The thing they've wanted the whole time. It's told to them, you'll get it. And they walk away and they don't want what he has to offer. So I wanna read you this quote really quickly. It's the first time I've pulled my computer out in a while. And I don't even like doing this. Oh, no. Oh, everybody's like, don't, don't, don't hurt the computer. All right, it's gonna be long, okay? You all okay with that? All right, good. Why would they want to go home? Are we so different? Why is it so difficult to accept spirit and life? We yearn for home because we are afraid and fear is powerful as a motivator. We like to think we are in control of our lives our destinies. When things are spinning out of control in the world, deadlines are looming, neighbors needing a chronically ill child, I stop and clean my house. I do not have control over the other things, but I can bring order to the chaos of my kitchen. Can anybody say amen to this? Our culture tells us that we are in control of our lives and our destinies. If we work hard, we will be rewarded with a material gain. We feel good about ourselves when we are successful, when we have a good job, a clean house, children who make good grades, when we attend the right church, the growing church, the church with momentum. I hate that word, momentum. Oh, I shouldn't, but I do. We live in the right region of the country. We vote for the correct politician. We make up with a full to-do, we wake up with a full to-do list and we go to bed with it incomplete. Our job, our gender, our sheer business makes us more valuable than our neighbor. There's little time for watching a sunset or playing with kids, let alone reaching out to the homeless women on the street corner. This is speaking from this person's perspective. My theologian sister says, we like the disciples are offended by Jesus's offer for spirit and life. We feel good about serving in the soup kitchen, but we refuse to forgive our pew mate. So does everybody understand when I say pew mate, what that is? Because I don't assume that all of you are churched people. People in this room. Now I gotta find my place. That's all right. You guys okay if I find my place? (laughs) No idea. We make religion about the rules because we can control the rules. We can amend books of order, we can use scripture to oppress, and we can punish the rule breakers. Much easier than compassion and forgiveness. Peter answers him, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. 
We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. In that moment, Simon realizes that despite the startling images, despite the hard path, he's ready to give up some control in order to go home with God, in order to accept the gift of life. In the moment we choose to eat Jesus' flesh and drink his blood, we truly abide in him and he in us. We choose life. We give up the notion that we are in control. Fear truly no longer has the upper hand. We understand that we are no longer better than any other child of God because of our denomination, our skin color, our gender, our job. We turn over to God that which we fear most, trusting that we are loved. When we accept the love of God that is pure grace, love flows from us and we love others. We do forgive our pewmate, our person in the room, of their addictions. We stop in real conversation with the homeless woman on the street corner. We value the baby fussing during worship. Can I get an amen? I've come to enjoy that. And most of the people in church are like, no, no, take the babies away. We suddenly prefer God to religion. Jesus' discourse here, that, was a, that might have been my longest quote ever. So good job, guys. Give yourself a hand. And I have to open my computer to tell you who that was, and I'm not gonna do that right now because it's gonna take too long. So I'm gonna post online later who that was. So Jesus, what he's doing here, he's having a conversation with people about why they are there. Why do you want me? And most of the people there do not want him for what he's offering. This is all of us. This is every one of us. I believe this is actually the process of discipleship and I think it would be interesting to get all the people from this John 6 passage, go to post-resurrection when Jesus is alive and his disciples are now moving into the city and see what happens. See how many of them have changed like many of you have changed. Who was raised in an extremely fundamental church that treated people poorly yet now does not wanna do that anymore? That's the process of discipleship over a life. What can God do with a whole life? And this is the first time the 12 are called the 12. And the 12 are not called the 12 because they have agreed on a creed. He did not present the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed and say, he did not give them this descript mission statement. He didn't even do a welcome meeting and a fun social night to explain the style of worship that they would have. Listen, you just need to know we're gonna do contemplative and it's gonna be charismatic. It's gonna be a blend. It's gonna be beautiful. We're gonna revolutionize church world. It's gonna be awesome. None of that. What made them the 12 and followers was that they decided to not walk away from Jesus and decided to walk with Jesus. That's it. That they would walk with Jesus. They're now the 12. They're now followers of Christ and they're now the first real body of Christ. I choose to follow you. And I choose to follow you when I don't understand any of it. The people who walked away understood all of it. And they knew that what they were imposing upon Jesus was not gonna happen. Also, they knew what was about to happen to Jesus. This is not looking good. You're about to meet a lot of unhappy people. Listen, we have to ask ourselves what it is we desire from him. And we have to be okay with looking honestly at it because he sees the deeper things. Do you desire things from him? You do, we all do. Are we willing to let him look at the things? And I just think it's interesting that there's such a, I don't love blueprint print scripturally because I think we can get ourselves into trouble when we say we have a method on how to do it perfectly, but you have this collection of people who don't have 
a relationship with Jesus that are following him. And you have this collection of people who do have a relationship with Jesus and are following him. And the ones that do have a relationship with him and have had a relationship for an extended period of time are the ones that wanna continue to follow him. Like, and, and their story isn't even perfect. They're just walking with him. They've built enough equity relationally with Jesus to understand, I don't know what's gonna happen, but whatever it is, he's better than that. Who else? That's why, they're, that's why they ask the question, who else and not where else? It's a different question now. In discipleship, you start to understand this is about a relationship with Jesus, not about what we're going to get or where we're going to go and you're gonna give us a sign. I could just be preaching myself, but this is why I desire to follow him because Jesus is willing to say that thing to us that doesn't help us get what we want right now, but helps the long-term version of us to experience life. So that one day we could be like Peter, who is the rock, or we could be like the other disciples who have then turned every part of their life into mission for Jesus. Always in unity with God and on mission for the other. Those two things, right? Like life and spirit, flesh and spirit. I'm giving you spirit and life. I'm giving you spirit, the heart of why we do things, the spirit of why we do something is more important than the accomplishment. That's why in Christianity, it's always more important why, what we're doing, not just the, the end. The, the end does not justify the means. The spirit of what we do matters, whether we're growing or not growing, whether we're sick or not sick, whether we're learning or not learning. The spirit of what, what, we're, what we're needing in our leadership and the church culture is that Character matters, the spirit matters, and the flesh, like what we actually accomplish, what we actually do, he's asking them the heart of what you're gonna do and actually doing it are gonna matter. You're gonna need to be like me who is always in communion with God, always at home with God, always abiding with God, and also always available for neighbor. Don't do the thing where you separate those two. Don't do the mission without God, and don't do God alone with you, like Sarah was saying, without mission. That's, that's not good. That's not good. That becomes stale, right? I love the songs we sing that are about us and God, to be reminded that even if there's only a few of us willing to gather in person now, there are a few of us gathering in person now, and that's enough. Like for me, that you would say yes to following Jesus, brother, sister, like I don't care who you are. You can be awkward. You can be uncomfortable in a conversation. You can stink. You can be amazing at singing. You can be the best baseball player ever, the worst baseball player ever. You can be six foot eight. You could be five foot one. All of that, none of it matters. Male, female, all of it. Your willingness to follow Jesus, we're communing now. We're communing in our willingness to follow Jesus for the sake of those who are not yet. That's so good. So for me, you hear too much about January when I started this ETS group, but it was that meaningful to me to have a collection of people that would move towards Jesus and follow him, right? Not trying to build an empire, but trying to live out this life. What does it look like for a life to be given to God? So here's your question, and I've only spoke for a few minutes, I feel like. And I want you to, to ask this with Jesus. As if Jesus is here and he's asking us the same stuff. Like, what are you really going after? And, and, and be honest. Like, I recognize in my life, this is gonna sound so dumb, but it's such, it's such a diversion to the good life that I really choose it. Athletics to me, like, 
I don't even know why half the time. My kids doing sports. Last night I watched three games at one time. I literally watched three athletic games at one time. And I needed to, right? Why? Why am I putting my energy and effort into that? Where is God's activity actually? Where's his invitation to me? Josh, look at your brokenness. I actually was worried after sabbatical because on sabbatical for me, I was with my family, but I had a really hard time connecting with God. Like a really hard time. I think I found myself in this place where I felt mostly like I was numb and I could not explain why. I mean, like a month of this. And I actually got sad because I remember last year, there were times when I could just weep And I think you remember, for those of you who are here, I had prayed for months. God, I just wanna be somebody who can weep when I need to weep, and I couldn't. And all through sabbatical, I kind of just didn't have great time with God. I didn't, I mean, it was good. It was good for what it was. I feel restored in a lot of ways. I came back and I'm ready. So don't be like, well, you shouldn't sabbatical anymore, you failure. That wouldn't be helpful for me. That's not helpful language. (laughs) So I came back, and I was sitting on my back porch, and I watched a video, this is so goofy, but it, it, it was like God saying, no, it's still there. I watched a video of this four-time cancer survivor, nine-year-old boy who was opening a pack of baseball cards and he, his favorite player is Aaron Judge who plays for the evil empire of the North. I don't know if you know who the Yankees are, but they really are just like a version of building whatever you want with money and my wife's from there. So anyway, I digress. He opened it up and he... He, he was the most joyful human on the planet and he was sitting with his dad and he kept saying, dad, daddy, daddy, can you believe it? Can you believe it? Can you believe he started crying? He started hugging his dad. He started hugging his dad. He hugged his dad four stinking times. He, at, at the end of the video, he looked at his dad and he goes, dad, give me some, please. And he reached over, just, just flooded, flooding. I don't even know why I'm sharing this with you. <laughs> I don't know why I'm sharing this with you. That's okay. I'm just going with it. But to, to be that, to allow Jesus into those places, to know the real things that are happening, right? The real stuff that's there in you. Why are you here? Why did you come to church today? Why do you choose Jesus and not some other God? What are those reasons? And, and is it the kind of connection that if he was to say to you, I have life for you that you haven't experienced yet and I'm gonna need you to trust that you don't really get it and follow me, is that enough? Do you have enough relational equity with him yet to be like, I don't even know what this means, but you have the words of life. Where am I going? I'm gonna follow you. And if you don't feel like you do yet, let's create some space to get to know Jesus. Not the fantastic version that makes bread and then tries to run from people that need him to make more bread, literally, but the one that sits around with people saying, I know half y'all are about to leave or even more, but there's no way to have life outside of me. There's literally no way. And my my whole job, I didn't come as a messenger to tell you about God. I came as God. I am God. And the way that you're nourished is only through me. So these other appetites that you're saying yes to, Instagram, accomplishment, money, business achievement, whatever, they're not gonna, they're not gonna sustain you. And so my invitation for you today, and we're gonna do, we're gonna, we're gonna take Eucharist together, we're gonna do communion together, 
And if, you, if you're on the worship, you can go ahead and come up. Uh, Jordan, is he in here? As you interact with this, I'm gonna pray that Jesus would be so present in this room and that you would sense his invitation for you. So this is not me telling you how he's inviting you. This is me asking you to create space for Jesus to speak his invitation for you. So just for a moment with your eyes closed, before we pray, before we read our Eucharist language, I just want you to imagine, in a church like this, probably about this big, a synagogue, Jesus walks in and he begins to talk to people. And his motive and goal is life. His motive and goal is to get people from where they are into life. So he begins to talk to them and he begins to say things like, you're gonna need to eat and drink my blood and you're gonna need to abide in me and this is gonna need to be how you live Allow him to settle in in your mind's eye and allow yourself to be present with Jesus as he is present with you. If you'll please stand with me. And I'd love a happy birthday style doxology as we close this service. The kind where your voice doesn't matter if it's good or bad but where we sing it together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. We sing Amen. Over our week we sing Amen. Over this day we sing Amen. Over our family for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.